Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 128 of Maximize Your Influence. I am Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here with me, who is going to get residency in Puerto Rico. He was there. He was in San Francisco last week, and uh, you know, already told us a little bit about that. But I think you went right around to Puerto Rico after the San Francisco trip. Yeah, it's a quick trip. You know, a couple miles. Yeah. <laughs> Other side of the world. Yeah, it was nice. It was warm. Good. Got your famous, was it, Mofongo? Mofongo it is. Yeah, it is. And for listeners who remember the word of the day a while back, which was FOMO Mofongo, but that's, that's a whole right. other story. Yeah. Good people, good food, did some great training, and took forever to get back. Delay. JFK. Always a delay in JFK. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, I'm back. You're back. Ready to roll. Not <laughs> mentally 100%, but physically I know I'm back. Mentally I'm going at 78%. So about normal for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Whether I'm coding or whatever, I'm always around 78%. 78%, that's my target range. So yeah, listeners, right. Kurt's giving you a good firm 78% like usual today. <laughs> well, one of these days I'm going to go for that 82%. But right now it's... <laughs> It's not good to run at 100% all the time. Nobody yeah, can do that. Uh, what do you want, want me to burn out? Come on. No. No, that's not <laughs> So, all right, cool. Well, I'm getting ready to go to Cabo. I was bragging about that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's the Break the Winter Blues Cabo trip. But, you know, the weather around here has been pretty awesome lately. It's nice. Hey, it's Cabo, the sun, the surf, all you can eat, right? You going to inclusive club? No, we're staying right in the city because we have a couple of restaurants we really like there, which I will give the full report, of course. Hey, it's always good to find a good restaurant and stick to it. Yeah, yeah. Especially in those areas where some restaurants, yeah, quite sure. <laughs> You're not quite sure. When you feel brave, you go to the street vendor and say, yes, I want a taco. I felt care, brave in Puerto Vallarta once, and I don't think they were going to let me off the plane on the way back. I was in a cold sweat, looked like I was about to die. I had salmonella. <laughs> I have really good stories and really bad stories about that. I don't know where I'm kind of in the middle there. It's just because sometimes you just find a really good street vendor, like, yeah. Other times you're like, okay, did you just peel that off the street? Because I'm not feeling very good right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened to me. I got that salmonella. They gave me enough antibiotics to, you know, kill a whole country. <laughs> and the health department called me and had to interview me. I'll tell you, salmonella is not fun. There's a reason they take that seriously. Yeah, I think that at least the top 10 things not to get. Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> Steer clear. <laughs> Steer clear. Don't order that online because you don't want it. Yep. And here's how obsessive I am about food. I'll, I'll still consider the street vendor from time to time. Because <laughs> of that good experience. See, we want that good experience and just, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, listeners, if you haven't had that experience, but it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is good stuff. So we're going we're gonna to kick it off today. I'll give you the full report on Cabo today. We've got a, a couple of good things to talk about. I'm going to continue on some more of, about leadership because it's needed in every part of your life, in your family, your church, your nonprofit, your business with your kids. It, it's everywhere. You've got to be a good leader. It makes you a good persuader if you are a good leader. I think those two kind of go together. It's the reason why they're mentioned together so often. We've got a blinja today. Ooh, love the blinja one of our favorite sounds. It is one of our favorite sounds. And it really just those blinges, they just come down to the target audience. I was telling you about it a few minutes ago. So we'll we'll talk about it. We'd be curious to hear from you listeners if you think it's a ninja or a blunder 
or if you're going to go up with our made-up word, Blinja. And then we've got an article coming up as well. But before that, we've got a shameless plug. Ooh, go with the shameless plug. It is shameless plug. So you got to go to universityofpersuasion.com if you've not been there yet. We've got all the archive podcasts there and a bajillion other things, many of which are not going to cost you a dime, which falls well within the Honda Civic test. Even some of the things that do cost a dime fall well within the Honda Civic test, meaning they cost less than one. If you don't know what that is, then you should go there and listen to the past podcast for free. So you'll know what in the world we're talking about when we say that it costs less than a Honda Civic. Kurt, well, tell them more of what they want. But wait, there's more. So less than a cafe latte a week, you can enroll in our 52-week program, which includes audios and videos and reports taking you step-by-step to go from uh, okay to influence to become a master influencer to get anyone to say yes at any time. I was in a meeting yesterday, and the instructor in this meeting was making a point of when you handle the most important things in your life on a regular basis, all the little crap that you think you don't have time for tends to take care of itself. You either get it done or it falls by the wayside and doesn't even really make a difference. So you've seen this object lesson, Kurt, where you've got a, a bucket of sand or a jar of sand, a jar of rocks, and you dump the sand into another jar and then you try to put the rocks in and you can't get them in. And so they undo it, and then they put the rocks in first, which are the bigger, more important things, and then they pour in the sand, and it fills in all the crevices, and you have everything in the same jar because you took care of the big, important things first. So that's a cheesy example, but we think University of Persuasion is like that. If you take five minutes, 20 minutes a day to sharpen the saw to become a better persuader, whether it's just listening to a podcast for a few minutes, reading a quick article, something like that, your brain is going to stay sharp. And whether it's in a week, a day, a year, you're going to come across a persuasive situation where what you did that day made the difference and it got you the deal. And it's going to make you more money. It's going to create more time. It's going to make you more productive as a result. So true, a skill that pays for itself. And I'll just put it this way. When you need to persuade somebody, it's too late to learn. That is exactly right. It's too late. So get on it ahead of time. You'll thank us later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shameless plug officially over. Ooh. All right. When I say it's officially over, it's over. It's over and done. All right. So what's next? Oh, next is your favorite part of the podcast. I'm glad you asked. Oh, man. Cue it up. All right. Go or go. All right. So I've got the article. I did. I didn't even mean to. That's what I get for being at 78%. Yeah, that's right. At least a couple points. (laughs) So this interesting article. This is uh, David Luton. He's the author of Psychology Language. And he quotes some research from the current directions in psychological science. Of course, we love our research journals. And he titles this, What Do You See When You Look at the World? And he gives an example. I think we can all relate to this example. He's like, he asked his wife, hey, where's the blender? She's like, I don't know. And, well, our daughter used it. They went back and forth, and they came back later in the kitchen. A couple hours later, it was sitting on the counter, and they couldn't see it, right? was there the whole time. I think we've all looked for things, and it just wasn't there. We didn't see it. The filter wasn't quite working. And so he asked, what do we see when we look at the world? And I think we all have different filters. And he asked, how is it that we can fail to see objects in plain sight? And I'll add, how can three people see an accident and see three different things? And what he talks about is the brain does a good job of representing what we need to see in the moment, but it also leaves us with the illusion that we're seeing everything clearly. 
and that's not the case. Doesn't matter what the object is, but rather what task we're trying to perform. Whether it be looking, he mentions at a penny pile, it was all or all your quarters and everything, and what you're able to pull out at the time. And so he talks about we use this visual working memory to track an item as it moves behind objects and it gets blocked. And basically, what he's saying is that the brain creates filters, but it creates illusions sometimes. Maybe it could completely delete an item. When you ask somebody for someone's perspective, whether it be visually or auditorily, that there's filters. Our brain is not a hard drive. And I've asked people that before in, in seminars where I say, you ever been in a family reunion and you ask someone about an experience and they say, talk about this experience, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's not how it happened. And it was about you because every time we recall something, we also get a distorted image or distorted memory because it gets a little bit different every time we recall it. That's true when we see things that we can't trust our brains 100% of the time sometimes. And the important thing here is that's also for our prospects. They see what they want to see. They hear what they want to hear. In fact, a communication study shows that a lot of times when you ask people about the features and benefits you talked about an hour earlier, they make up two or three. <laughs> In their mind, they didn't make them up. They probably actually heard it, but there's the filters there to where you've got to be really clear in your communications and follow-up because what they think they see or hear could be two very different things. Mm, that's so true because I've been in meetings a lot of times with you, right, where we're working on a problem and I'm, I'm thinking of it this certain way and I've got these mental roadblocks. And you said, well, why don't you do it this way? And the, the clouds part and everything <laughs> becomes clear. We just, when we're looking for something, that's what we find or don't find. And then the obvious solutions just are right in front of our face and we can't see them. And that's so true. We see what we want to see. And sometimes getting another set of ears and eyes is, is very helpful. In fact, an interesting thing happened with people. They put them in this dark room and say, okay, start counting the blinking light. No blinking light. They start to see a blinking light. Or even yeah. worse, and I don't know who came up with this one, they put them in this room and said, you'll start to smell something. And they were foul smells. I'm not sure where they got the foul smells or what was going on. But people eventually started to smell things because that's how powerful our brain is. We can talk about placebos and different things, but the brain is there that we can't count on it like a hard drive. And that's true with your prospect. You've got to be very clear because just because you said it or didn't say it does not mean they've been thinking it or think you've said it. Yeah, it's true. You've got these objections in your head. You've got these things that you're worried about. And uh, prospects are probably not worried about them. Spend a bunch of time dealing with something that's not even a problem. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times just because one prospect brings it up doesn't mean the other 20 have even thought about it. But a lot of times we keep bringing it up because somebody else has brought it up, and that can really hurt us. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Why don't we continue on our four-part series on leadership? We've had a couple of podcasts before this one. Episode 126 was the first one. We talked about presence and how you can maintain effective presence as a leader. Last week was episode 127. We talked about the core inner qualities of leaders, how they think about themselves. A lot of it has to do with the article that Kurt just, just read for us. And then today, we focus more on some of the outward things that leaders do. Probably a lot of the things you've been expecting to hear so far, when we say we're going to talk about leadership, I mean, this just underscores the point of your article, you have what you think you need to hear, right? Or you think that it's going to be, and that's what you listen for. And some of those could be today, like delivery and communication, how you say things, how you deliver things. That influences how effective of a leader you are, does it not? 
Does the research is out. 75% of executives felt that presentation skills were three times more important than writing skills. And that's why I want to talk about this delivery, these presentation skills. Upward mobility comes down to presentation skills. And I want to bring that one up first because we know that's one that everyone can work on. Because what you think you're doing right or wrong during a presentation, you don't know. Are you coming across as dishonest? Are you coming across as nervous? Are you coming across as non-charismatic? What's happening during your presentation? Because your capacity to communicate in the moment or in a prepared presentation is always one of the skills associated with leadership and one of the biggest challenges for most people. Either they refuse to do it or they think they're doing it the right way and they are way off course. So what are some of the things that we can do to tighten that up? I know that opinions from a third-party source, you know, we, we do that in coaching and giving advice to clients all the time. Where's a good place for people to start, though, to tighten up those presentation skills? Well, the first would be record yourself. I know it's painful, and yes, you do sound that way, but if you really want a good indicator, watch yourself. Get a couple of other people to watch you that will give you an honest opinion. Even bigger than that, I think we can really improve on is understanding PowerPoint and how this is really probably hurting you more than helping you. I've coached a lot of people in persuasive presentations, becoming more charismatic, and there's some common themes. The first is the use of PowerPoint. Wow. I mean, that's a whole show in itself to where they're so concerned about having the PowerPoint, to have every note on the PowerPoint, so they feel comfortable to read the PowerPoint to the audience, and the audience doesn't like them. The audience doesn't like the presentation either. They don't learn anything. They're not persuasive. But hey, they felt comfortable reading the whole presentation to the audience. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) It didn't have the effect they wanted to, but they sure felt good doing it. Yeah. And I know it's a safety blanket as a presenter. Oh, PowerPoint, it's all right there. But when you have your back to the audience and you're reading it to your audience, it goes back to college days we both experienced to where, why? I mean, just give me the picture of the PowerPoint. I don't want to have you read it to me. But it's a safety blanket that people are so concerned about the preparation that they don't practice the presentation and realize, oh, this is kind of lame. No one's going to really listen hmm, what should I do? It feels silly to practice it. I Uh, remember when I went through speaker training, you had me standing in front of the mirror. I felt like such a (laughs) dork. That's a big one. It is, but we forget about it. doesn't matter what you have on your PowerPoint. If you can't present, if you can't captivate, if you can't educate, inspire, and entertain in front of that audience, it's not going to matter. You are the presentation. Sure, a few slides here and there will be very helpful. But you can't make that the whole presentation. A few safety tips that you could do is, well, first of all, I would have rather have more light on your face and have the PowerPoint hard to read because a lot of people just dim the lights, and that's another invitation to be bored and to fall asleep. And never more than three bullets, two to three words per bullet to remind you what to say. You should know it well enough to see one word and be able to talk for a few minutes. Hopefully you're educated enough in your area of expertise to be able to do that. And then I would insert a few black slides to where, okay, boom, and so it looks like you blank the projector, the audience is looking at you again, and you can present some more. You could ask questions rather than just leaving it on and reading from it. Now you're the presentation again. Such a simple thing, but very, very few people do that. I've noticed a couple of things about this, and, and maybe you're already going there on this, but first of all, I think it makes the audience pay attention less, or at least pay attention less to the the right thing, which is you. They're just too busy trying to copy all the notes, right? They're just copying furiously. I got to get all these PowerPoints down. 
but they're never, ever, ever going to read again, <laughs> right? They're never going to look at them again. And so while you were up there saying important stuff, they were just copying down and not really internalizing anything, not experiencing the emotion that you need a prospect to experience when you're giving a presentation. And then the problem with that is people would say, well, I offset that by saying at the very beginning of the meeting, I'm going to give you all of these PowerPoints, right? I've got them all printed out. Don't worry. Just listen. You're going to get them. That may or may not, depending on your call to action, but it could interfere with your call to action because you told me about the itch, right? Prospect is going to scratch the itch the easiest and the quickest way possible. So if you're selling something or you have a specific call to action, they think, ah, I'm going to take these PowerPoint slides home. I'm going to read them and then I'll decide what I want to do. And then you've just got all the wind taken out of your sales. Thoughts on that? Yeah, you're done. Especially if you're selling something, you're trying to persuade something. They say, can I get your PowerPoint slides? Okay, they've scratched the itch. So you've created this itch. And what that means is you've gotten them excited about what you're saying a little bit. They're going to find the cheapest, easiest way to do that. For me, when I give a presentation, it might be, oh, I'll get the book. And, well, that's not going to help them as much as this, this, and this. Or I will ask for the PowerPoint presentation. Or I ask for their business card. And we both know that will lead nowhere. And that'll never help you. If someone asks for your PowerPoint presentations, you pretty much failed and have not persuaded anybody. I guess you've persuaded them to get your PowerPoint slides just a little bit, a tiny edge, but they did not do what you've asked them to do. Yeah, that's true. There's there's a speaker out there that both you and I respect, Dan Kennedy, and I've heard him when he's talking about speaking and persuading. People will come up to him after the presentation and say, can I get a business card? And then mm-hmm. keep in mind, this is when he just said, hey, Fill out this order form to get the stuff. That's why I'm here today. And and when they come asking him for a business card, he says, I don't have any. If you want to get a hold of me, you fill out this order form. <laughs> right? It does. And it works very well for him because he's yeah. not there to hand out business cards. That's not his call to action. He's not there to send out the PowerPoint presentation. He's there to help people out, become better marketers is what he does. And that is his focus and that's his goal. That's all he looks at. Yeah. So what else should leaders know on this whole delivery and communication thing? Talking about PowerPoint, what else? Remember that you've got 30 seconds to grab their attention. You've got to earn their attention. You've got to do the famous what's in it for me and just really work on those communication skills. Get away from the podium. I hate podiums or lecterns. Really? I mean, that just takes away from everything. Some people you have to use it. Some situations you have to use it. And be aware of your external surroundings from standing on a platform to the temperature of the room to the way the seats are set up. All these things matter. Some things we can fix, some things we can't. But the whole package to even ceiling height we've talked about before makes a huge difference in your ability to influence and persuade. Yeah. Okay. We've got time for one more. All right. Let me give you another one. One that we have talked about, but one that we can all improve on. Stories. Mastering the ability to tell stories is critical. When you look at influential people, charismatic people, leaders, it is the biggest difference to really be able to influence. Why? Because stories can demonstrate who you are. They can grab attention in the middle of a presentation. They engage their emotions. And the most important thing is stories persuade without detection. Because as human beings, we are drawn to anything that gives us answers. And stories give us answers. We put ourselves in that situation. And we looked at presidents, charismatic presidents that were leaders. They use twice as many stories and metaphors. They can use them to grab attention, create involvement. 
And bottom line, every time we've done the research, that stories statistically will connect with more people than facts, numbers, examples, and testimonials combined. Yeah, yeah. You use the example about politicians. And I think when we tell a story, it has to be sincere. You have to tell it well. How many times have you seen a political candidate during a debate or during a speech and they say, let me tell you a story. And it's this canned story about Susie from Ohio who didn't have health care. And then my plan helped her. You know, it's so canned and it's so transparent. That's the key on all of this stuff. All of these persuasive techniques is it needs to be genuine and sincere. And I'll tell you, Kurt, the best way to be genuine and sincere is to be genuine and sincere. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We think about that for a second. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's mind-blowing. That's a mind-blowing. Listeners write that one down. Yeah. But that's uh, very true. Very, very true. And that's true with the stories, too. I mean, when you could really do it and make sure I think these politicians, they just haven't really practiced it much. They're just, oh, here's a good story. And they insert story here without really being able to that's tell right. the story. That's right. And here's just a, a few tips. Keep stories simple. Maybe a couple points. Make sure you're animated and full of energy. Get your body and voice into it. Get your audience to participate, maybe physically or mentally. And practice. Just like with your humor and your jokes, practice to a third party. Would it be a waiter or a waitress or a stranger? Let me tell you a story just to make sure you know it. Make sure that when you tell that story to an audience, that's not your first time. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> that's true with jokes and stories and everything. It's important that you understand how it works. And make sure it's relevant because your audience will put themselves in that story. And if you truly want to be a leader, having a relevant story that you can tell in such a way, it will persuade themselves. And such a simple thing but just like your presentation skills, you have not arrived. You really need to work on it. Telling stories is a powerful form of influence. Yeah, exactly. I have an eight-year-old daughter, and she's at that phase where she's coming home from second grade telling jokes and stories about what happened at school. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of these, you know, I love her. They are agonizing, though. <laughs> these stories, they're everywhere. There's no point to the story. It's, uh, you know, vocal fillers. It's on and on and on. And she's going to get better at it over time. So, you know, she's got the gift of gab. She's just sharpening that up a little bit. So nothing is better for persuasion than a good story, and nothing is worse than a bad one. There's a great point here. She's practicing on someone who doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes me feel great. Well, let me illustrate that a little bit. I mean, it's great. (laughs) What do I mean here? There's nothing at stake. Influence you, but she went to somebody else. She wasn't doing a persuasion presentation. She's practicing on the right person. So go to your family, go to a spouse, go to somebody else, and practice it where you're feeling comfortable. You've ironed out those vocal fillers, and you've really understood how to tell that story because you will not get that on the first, second, third, probably even fourth time to really captivate an audience with a story and persuade without detection. So I matter, but I don't matter. Yeah, if you, that makes you feel better. Okay, yeah, it does. <laughs> I think we can end this on a high note. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt, why don't you cue up the Blinja? Oh, here's our Blinja sound, a combination of Ninja and Blunder. Go! Don't, don't, don't! That's just crazy sound. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was driving this morning. I had to go to my office and run a bunch of errands, and I like satellite radio, and satellite radio ends up being the Ninja, the Blunder, the Blinja. Many times on our show, because it is chock full of ads. <laughs> you pay 200 bucks or whatever a year for a subscription to Sirius XM radio, and they reward you with lots of ads, which in this case they were, were doing, I think it was on CNBC or something. And the Blinja is the language learning company Rosetta Stone. 
many of you have heard of them. Their ads, you know, you want to learn Spanish? Habla Espanol, get Rosetta Stone. Listen to their tapes and their CDs and you'll be fluent, apparently. So I raise this with Kurt and we think that this really comes down to the target audience. So their whole the whole premise of this ad was, do you want more stuff? Do you want to buy things that doesn't don't matter? Or do you want to become a better person? You want to learn Rosetta Stone? You want to learn another language, a skill that will last a lifetime? They repeated it through various different ways throughout the ad. I happen to think they have a good product. I think it's a good company and a noble cause to learn another language. I don't think that that kind of logic sells, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's that school of thought that you can't sell people stuff they need. You got to sell them stuff that is what they want, right? So I personally think that some other persuasive techniques would have been more effective there. But then once again, maybe I'm not the target audience. Kurt, what say you? I say the same thing. Everybody wants more stuff. <laughs> that's how people are. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they need to focus on. What is learning a language going to get you? I'm sure you feeling good about yourself might be one of the things, but that's not why people are learning a language. Or go the flip side that the people that are buying this already have more stuff than they need, and they decide, okay, no more stuff, and they get it. So they're talking to a group of people that have everything they need. They have no true needs or wants, and like, oh, let's go learn a language. Yeah. I kind of envisioned, you know, what would really work there is you've got, and this is all audio, of course, but you've got Bill and he's on a first date with Susie and she's super hot, right? That <laughs> this somehow gets explained in the audio and they sit down for Italian food and the waiter comes up and, you know, they're, they're making idle conversation. And the waiter says, hey, what can I get for you? And then Bill orders in flawless Italian and Susie <laughs> just can't help herself. Right. So much. I mean, yeah. that's pretty good. That's better than, hey, be a better person. It's, hey, you know, Susie, Susie's going to be clamoring here. <laughs> you got to go that route. I think it'd be very effective. Or with some incredible guarantee that in two months you'll have mastered the language. It's expensive. It's $20,000 and they purchase. You just get a one-way ticket to that country and just drop them off. They'll learn it. There you go. Without <laughs> yeah. a wallet, without a passport, they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to learn a language right there is drop you yeah. off for a couple right. months. You'll, you'll figure it out. You'll get you, hungry enough to learn the language. You don't have a choice. That's how we do it with kids. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just all right. Go. Metaphorically, they just get dropped off. Here you go. <laughs> That'll be our new product. We'll just uh, figure it out. We'll make sure you're fluent in a couple months. Yeah, exactly. So we'd love to hear your feedback, listeners. Maximize your influence at gmail.com. Let us know if you think Rosetta Stone is a blinja, a ninja, a blunder. Also, we are on Twitter. Follow us at Influence Max. You can also like us on Facebook. Just punch in Maximize Your Influence into the search bar on Facebook because we are getting all savvy with the social media here. You can always go to the website, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's where we post the blog about articles and other things and, you know, and occasionally interesting pictures and funny things that we see. We tweet that stuff out too. So check all that out and we will be back with you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Thanks for listening. Take care and see you next week. <laughs>